the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Bill is to my right in his uh, specially segregated skiff over there. And David Dahl, my producer, is directly in front of me in his separately segregated skiff over there. Our phone number is 602-508-0960-602-5080-960. Donald Trump was um, arraigned in uh, Miami court today. And uh, we'll talk about that in a few moments a little bit more. I don't know if you uh, saw any of the footage at uh, Cafe Versailles, which is one of the most popular uh, eateries in uh, Miami, where he got uh, a tremendous hero's welcome. He bought lunch, I think he said, for everyone. But they sang him – the whole place uh, sang him him, uh, happy birthday. Yes, good clarification. (laughs) Just because they're in a separately segregated facility – let us stipulate per advent, beyond peradventure 960 the Patriot is not in favor of segregation. Thank you for that uh, necessary emendation in, uh, in our times, David. Very necessary. Abraham Lincoln famously said, the world just now needs a good definition of the word liberty. Perhaps were he alive today, he'd offer the world or maybe just America needs a good definition of the word normal. If you put into the Google machine the phrase something like 2020 Biden restore norms, you get back over 1.4 million hits immediately. Among those hits is a press release from the Biden White House stating, quote, the Biden-Harris administration has made significant strides in restoring ethics, the rule of law and democratic norms, close quote. If you adjust the search just a tad to not restore norms, but restore normalcy, you get major article after major article with headlines such as, quote, Biden presidency marks a return to normalcy or Joe Biden's promise a return to normalcy or Joe Biden election campaign 2020 return to normalcy or Biden promises a return to normalcy or Joe Biden's message a return to normal. You get the point. On Saturday, the president and first lady hosted what was billed as the largest pride event ever hosted at the White House. Video of the event is circulating where Joe Biden is saying such things from the presidential podium is happy Pride Day, happy Pride Month, happy Pride Life or and you are the bravest and most inspiring people I have ever known and you are heard. The first lady, the doctor, intones you are loved. The rest of the circulating video shows one Rose Montoya, born a boy, as gyrating on the White House lawn, posing for pictures with Joe Biden, having a quick interaction, verbal interaction with him, and then taking down her dress to expose herself as topless. As a friend or supporter says on microphone, we are topless at the White House. Others joined her. In that, some have pointed out the, let's just call it vulgarity for now, Montoya has written back a defense of herself saying, quote, going topless in Washington, D.C. is legal 
and I fully support the movement in freeing the nipple because why is my chest now deemed inappropriate or illegal when I show it off? All you're doing is affirming that I'm a woman. All you're doing is saying that trans women are women because for some reason people like to sexualize women's bodies and say that they are inappropriate. My transmasculine friends are showing off their top surgery scars and living in joy, and I wanted to join them. And because it is perfectly within the law in Washington, D.C., I decided to join them and cover my nipples just to play it safe because I wanted to be fully free and myself. I had zero intention of trying to be vulgar or be profane in any way. I was simply living in joy, living my truth, and existing in my body. Happy pride, free the nipple. Close quote. I think we long past left the concept where what is needed is a dictionary, including helping people understand the word vulgar. Most dictionaries call it the lack of good taste. Its etymology means common. Perhaps that was and is the goal, after all, making this kind of burlesque and topless show common. The, f- the defense of simply living my truth, however, tells us everything we need to know. And the White House now looks like Hunter Biden's laptop. Let's start with the point that the White House lawn is not, in fact, Washington, D.C., is not Q or P Street in DuPont Circle. Let's start with asking, do the Bidens have a clue as to what they are supporting and what oxygen they are feeding into what fire? Do they have any concept of what restoring norms, never mind normalcy, is? Let us speak for a moment about a better courage and pride. Byron York notes the following, which I should like to quote at length. On June 6th, President Joe Biden marked the 79th anniversary of the D-Day invasion by issuing a brief statement praising the brave service members who volunteered to lay down their lives for our liberty. According to the Department of Defense, more than 9,000 Allied troops were killed or wounded during the first 24 hours of the invasion. A week earlier, Biden issued a somewhat more expansive proclamation marking Memorial Day. He again celebrated America's, quote, brave service members, calling them, quote, courageous people who answered duty's call, who bravely kept burning the light of liberty around the world. Combining D, uh, excuse me, combining Biden's D-Day and Memorial Day proclamations, the president used some form of the word bravery three times and courage once. For both holidays, total of three times for bravery, courage once. It's fair to say that Biden was not reaching for the rhetorical heights in either statement. As it turns out, he was saving his most fulsome praise of American bravery and courage for quite another occasion, that which took place this last Saturday at the White House, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex Pride Month. At least we now know what the I is. I didn't know what it was, intersex. The president issued a proclamation and held a celebratory event mentioned above on the White House South Lawn. In the proclamation and his remarks at the event, Biden praised the courage and bravery of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex people far more than he praised the courage and bravery of military forces who defended liberty at enormous personal cost throughout American history. Biden's proclamation began by applauding the patrons of a gay bar in New York who in 1969 resisted a police raid in what has become known as the Stonewall Riot. He said, quote, in June 1969, a courageous group of Americans rose up to protest the violence and marginalization they faced in what became known as the Stonewall Uprising. 
Their courage sparked a civil rights movement for the liberation of the LGBTQI plus community. Biden praised the bar customers who bravely stood their ground against New York City police in 1969. And then he extended that praise to, quote, generations of LGBTQI plus people who have, quote, fought bravely to live openly and authentically. Finally, he cited the LGBTQI plus young people and their parents who he said are, quote, demonstrating unimaginable courage by protesting discriminatory laws in various states. As Byron puts it, that's a lot of courage and bravery. More citations of those virtues than Biden managed in his D-Day and Memorial Day proclamations combined. But it was nothing compared to the remarks the president would give at the White House just four days after his D-Day commemoration. In all of you, and this is not hyperbole, in all of you what I see is courage. I mean it sincerely. From the bottom of my, I see courage. Courage. And then, quote, and those who were in the generation before you who stepped up, it's even more courage. They worried not only for their lives, they worried for their jobs. They worried for whether or not they could even be involved at all in their community. Imagine what it took 40 years ago to stand up and say, I'm gay. What would have happened? No, I mean people who had to fear for their lives just acknowledging it, just acknowledging it. We talk a lot about courage. Well, I see more courage on this lawn than I've seen in any time in the recent past, close quote. In all, including other references, Biden said some form of courage eight times and some form of bravery once when he called the crowd, quote, some of the bravest people he has ever known. And that does not count the times the first lady, Jill Biden, or other speakers used them. Quote, for many of you, Dr. Biden said, just coming to this event is an act of bravery, close quote. For the event, the Biden team hung a huge pride flag from the White House balcony, occupying the center space between an American flag on either side, made for quite a photo, as if the Biden White House were placing the symbol of a particular constituency at a more central place in the U.S. government than the American flag itself. It, by the way, for those who still care, violated the flag statute. The Biden administration also bathed the White House in the colors of the pride flag that night. Byron writes, there are all sorts of courage. People show courage every day. Some do so by sticking to their beliefs, even if it costs them their job or social standing. Some do it by rescuing others in dire situations. But courage in battle done on behalf of the U.S. is something else. And stripping nude to satisfy your truth, it seems to me, is the opposite of courage. It's merely unrestrained expression of self. Shall we say it? Breaking norms. Courage, it seems to me, is about sacrificing something for something other than yourself or your self-interest, especially your sexual gratification and satisfaction. Self-assertion, not justice or a clear view of the future, is the crucial element of the triumph of will, not reason not community. Expressing and being self-satisfied with broadcasting something called my truth is simply not the truth, and every expression of my truth acknowledges that by qualifying the noun truth with the possessive pronoun my. The problem here is with 330 million definitions of truth, you cannot ever find a norm or normalcy, and you can never have anything called united as in the states of America. Quite an interesting epitaph to a country founded on self-evident truths. You know how the Greeks defined the word vulgar? It's an interesting word. Aperocalia. Aperocalia. And it means lack of experience in things beautiful.
You know how the Biden White House defines words like that? Whatever your appetite craves and your truth tells you, divided by 330 million. Welcome to normal now. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, quote, a man's power to connect his thought with its proper symbol and so to utter it depends on the simplicity of his character that is upon his love of truth, close quote. Truth. Not his, not my, but just pure, unalloyed, self-evident truth. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I want to talk a little bit about the Trump arraignment today, but first, young David, you had a you had a tweet you thought I or the audience would find interesting. Did you want to share it with us? <laughs> well, as the audience probably knows, uh, you have been uh, berating me about trying to get a Twitter, and uh, I'm stepping my a Twitter account. Foot, uh, let's yeah, yeah. let's let's indicate precisely what you mean to say. To quote the Beatles, who and- we were listening to a few <laughs> moments ago, sort of. And I'm stepping my, my, my toes in the water. Yes. Know? I'll put the, put the pinky toe in. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if you saw this by Jonathan Turley, um, but he, he quoted William F. Buckley when he said, Harvard just proved William F. Buckley's point when he said, I'd rather entrust the government of the United States to the first 400 people listed in the Boston Telephone Directory than to the faculty of Harvard University, as Lori Lightfoot, former Chicago mayor, is named Senior Leadership Fellow at the Richard L. and Ronnie A. Menschel uh, Harvard Chan School of Public Health. That's fascinating on so many levels. First of all, there should be a sign over the door of her classroom how not how, how not to show leadership. Second, how long do you think, and I'm going to ask you to monitor this, before Lori Lightfoot or the students at Harvard ask that they change the name of calling her a senior fellow? I don't know how that can obtain not with our language police these days, well, especially the, given her non whatever non standard uh, uh, association. Is there a feminine association with fellow? Well, I, uh, let's find out. You know, these schools put words out that we're not supposed to say, and I'm surprised fellow is 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 one we're allowed to say still. <laughs> Senior scholar is what they might change it to. Yeah, yeah. You might change it to. You want your Buckley origin? Origin story on that? Of course. Uh, as Franklin Adams once said, I think the, the average American is a little bit above average. Uh, and under the circumstances, uh, I rejoice over the influence of the people uh, over their elected leaders, since by and large, I think that they show more wisdom than their leaders or than their intellectuals. I've often been quoted as saying I would rather be governed by the first 2,000 people in the Boston Telephone Directory than by the 2,000 people on the faculty of Harvard University. There you go. There's your origin story. That's from when he was running for mayor. Donald Trump's arraignment. Uh, There wasn't much to see, if anything, except for where he went afterwards, as I was mentioning uh, in the previous segment. He went to the Versailles um, Cuban Cafe, which is one of the more popular eateries in Miami, I'm told, and a huge crowd. Uh, several religious leaders uh, prayed for him, and the crowd posed for pictures, and he offered to buy them all lunch. And it was um, it was very moving. Kind of an interesting gamesmanship in the political race, though, in the presidential political race here, with what Vivek Ramaswamy did. 
and um, and and what he did this morning. I don't know if you caught it, but so far as we know, he's the only other Republican candidate in the field of announced Republican presidential candidates who went to Miami in support of it, in support of Trump, or at least in support of opposing this indictment. And he said that um, if he is elected president, he will, as his first act, I believe he said as his first act, he will pardon President Trump. And he said he puts out a challenge to every other candidate running for the Republican nomination to join him in signing that pledge. He offered a pledge, and he invited every other candidate to sign it. Will you pledge to pardon President Donald Trump if you are elected president of the United States. It's a really interesting political stunt. And I don't mean to denigrate it by calling it stunt, but that's what you call these things in politics. It's a stunt. How do you how do you win a real big point here? And how in winning that point do you put everyone else on the defensive? Because of course now, yeah, that's okay, David. Of course now, every Republican presidential candidate is going to be asked the Ramaswamy question. And it'll probably know, be known as the Ramaswamy question. Will you, like Vivek Ramaswamy, affirm that you will, or swear that you will, pardon President Donald Trump should you become President of the United States? And they're going to have to figure out an answer here. Because they've kind of been um, getting away with not really having to go too far out on a limb. They're on the horns of a dilemma on this one. And Vivek Ramaswamy planted his flag and he made it a, um, an interesting challenge. And each of the candidates will now be asked about this. He said uh, – he I saw him on an interview a little bit uh, before the show started maybe a couple hours ago – he was asked uh, if anyone had joined him in signing that pledge, and he said uh, he's giving everyone 48 hours. 48 hours. Um, clever politics. Clever politics. I am Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Anyone see Gavin Newsom's interview with Sean Hannity on Fox last night? Gavin Newsom tweeted this morning uh, a clip where he's bragging on California, and his tweet says, Fox News, this is Gavin Newsom, Fox News loves to say that California is doomed. The truth is California's economy has continued to outperform the nation. Our state is number one in the nation for new business starts, number one for access to venture capital funding, and number one for tourism spending. Which leads me to think on those criteria, new business starts, access to venture capital, and number one for tourism spending – It'll probably be always be the last, the latter, um, because of nothing Gavin Newsom's done unless he thinks he created the beaches and the ocean. But 
it does seem to me on all of those three criteria, it reminds me that the only people who can afford Marxism are millionaires or billionaires. Abigail Schreier said, don't be modest, Gavin. California's number one in a lot of things. Number one in public defecation. Number one in companies abandoning their properties to the bank and fleeing the jurisdiction. Number one in public narcotic use. And by a mile, number one in homelessness. Soon to be number one in population decline as well. You tell me what you'd rather have bragging rights over. A reduction in any of those problems Abigail Schreier says California is number one in or the number one things Gavin Newsom is boasting about. He's now bragging about having ordered the National Guard. Bill, you'll like this. He's now bragging about ordering the National Guard to help solve the homeless problem in San Francisco, to which our friend Adam Carolla said, so it's not just people who lost their job, families of four and five and six. Certainly you wouldn't be sicking the National Guard on people who are just a little bit down on their luck. Right? It's too bad that... Um, I think it's too bad. It's an interesting thing about this world of new media, new audio media and podcasting. You know, there's some great podcasters out there and really great and smart podcasts. But it's too bad that the reach of those podcasts rarely gets to lawmakers and decision makers and the rest of the media the way radio still does, right? It's 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 an interesting divide. The numbers may, depending on the podcast, sometimes be equivalent to a radio show, in some cases maybe even greater, but it's the who that it reaches, and as opposed to just fans of those people. So in the case of Adam Carolla, I mean, I don't want to advertise against interest here, but wouldn't it be great if public leaders and decision makers and elected officials and their and their assistants and their chiefs and aides de camp and the think tank workers and the uh and the uh and the rest of um and the rest of the media listen to them the way they listen to and otherwise get their news from still what we might call uh forms of traditional media like radio and cable notice i'm not saying mainstream yeah anyway it's 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 an interesting question and conundrum and that may someday change. It hasn't come close to changing now. I'm not saying that elected officials and media don't listen to their favorite podcasters too, but it's much more segregated and much more of individual type rifle shots than the broad expansive audience that uh, mediums like we still reach. But uh, if you can integrate anything they do, some of these great, great speakers do, I'm all for it. And I try to do a little bit of it, at least with the few I have time to catch up with and listen to from time to time. But that goes back to an interview Gavin Newsom did with Adam Carolla, where Adam was just trying to pin him down on 
what the homeless problem really was, as opposed to what Gavin Newsom kept saying it was. And we know there's a trick going on here because we know Gavin Newsom knew Adam was right. We all know you have to have an IQ south of 30 to think anything other of what the homeless issue is, particularly if you were a mayor of San Francisco or, or, or the governor of California. But he was just maintaining, no, this isn't a problem of drugs. Uh, we'll be right back. With bank failures and stock market volatility, a possible recession on the horizon, hardened inflation, you ask yourself, where can and how should I invest? Well, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio brought to you by Y-Refi. Y-Refi is headquartered here, but they're based locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there, and I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign a thing. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. That's investyrefi.com or 888-Y-REFI-34. And make sure you tell my friends at Y-REFI that I sent you. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Let's go to Rob in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, Seth. Uh, happy Tuesday. Happy um, Tuesday. Is, uh, How are you? <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody ever really says happy Tuesday. Uh, the best thing you get out of Tuesday, I think, is a multicultural thing, uh, Taco Tuesday, right? Well, that could be. Um, and, and there's others, but we don't have to mention those. Anyway, um, wanted to remind people that tomorrow is Flag Day which sort of begs the question whether the White House is going to change its pride flag to an American flag. Um, any takers, any bets, any any idea whether they'll do that? I don't know. Uh, also, uh, and again, I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, June is National PTSD Awareness Month. And we talked about, yeah, it's not the right alphabet soup. Um, but I still, to this day, have not seen a single news source or the White House or Joe Biden or Kamala even remotely mention uh, this, although their tweets seem to indicate that they really care about veterans. They really want to, you know, make the VA better, but it's not really happening. So on the one hand, we have Flag Day, wonder which flag will fly. Uh, number two, PTSD Awareness Month, but that's lost in the uh, uh, obsession with rainbow flags. And then I was thinking about this whole thing with the Trump indictment. I I start thinking about, again, how does this look internationally? You know, when we look at allies and maybe not so much allies, 
people that countries that are looking at maybe wanting to sort of emulate us in terms of constitutions and everything. And they're looking at us in a way that cannot be positive because they're seeing this objectively. They're seeing, you know, a current regime in power uh, trying to, well, indict a former president uh, on 37 counts of things that he shouldn't even be indicted for. But what does that make us look like around the world? That makes us look like fools. And how much credibility are we really going to have in some of the countries that are trying to be uh, more democratic? You can't arrest your political opponents. We might try and tell Honduras. Of course not. And, And yet, here we are. And so, you know, the image of the United States, I don't think could get any worse. I thought it could get better, but I don't think it could get any worse than this. Combine that, if you're China, combine that and look at what they did on Pride Day at the White House on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it makes the United States look weak, but it sure makes Honduras and China look strong. By the way, that flag, that that pride flag in the middle, speaking of flag day tomorrow, you know that violates the U.S. flag code? Let me read it to you. Oh, absolutely. The flag of the United States of America should be at the center and at the highest point of the group when a number of flags of states or localities or pennants of societies are grouped and displayed. Yeah. And so I think we need a special counsel. Well, yeah, somebody not picked by Merrick Garland or any of the current DOJ Well, that's the heart. That's that's the weirdness. You can't have a special counsel that's not picked by the by the attorney general, which makes this such a weird thing. So when, uh, what's his name, Jack Smith gives a press conference that no one is above the law, um, he's the last person to say it. He he should be the last person to say it because he's not um, investigating by, by dint of his statutory authority. He is not investigating everyone. He's not investigating every crime. He is literally investigating and 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 obliged to only investigate one man and then find yes. the crimes it, for well, him for him to say no yeah. one is about it's not for him to say that's because he himself doesn't have the ability to act on that his job is mm-hmm. to only investigate one not anyone well and i think he's got a wife that was a strong biden supporter he does. or some such thing he does. and so again this is not an unbiased source it's not objective and again i go back to how do we look around the world how yeah. are we doing so far yeah. we just continue to look weaker and weaker and weaker and what does that mean more vulnerable and vulnerable and vulnerable and we have americans in taiwan um one of whom is a friend of mine who are desperately trying to get out of Taiwan, which also doesn't bode well uh, for what may be, you know, coming up. Why is it hard and for them again, to get out of Taiwan? Just I, I literally, uh, based on well, nothing I, but ignorance on my part. Why, yeah, why is I th- it? I, I think the, um, I have I have a feeling that the American Institute in Taiwan, and you know that the code right. for what we have instead right. of a right. uh, legitimate right. thing, um, I think they're overloaded. I think they have an awful lot of Americans and probably a lot of Taiwanese. There are thousands there. of Americans. I don't know how many, probably. Yeah. 
probably, uh, I don't know, but, I, I just but wouldn't I, know. There I, are probably five or more thousand people living in Taiwan. Yeah, Americans, and, yeah, and apparently they're all having a real problem trying to communicate with the AIT mm-hmm. to try to get an exit visa or to try to get a flight. Are you? And, would it surprise you if I told you that there is a large part of the conservative movement today that doesn't believe in the defense of Taiwan? Um, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, about I, it that. shocked me. I've I've been hearing more and more of it. It's shocking to me. It's just shocking. Yeah. Well, when it, you think about how a, so much of the conservative movement was throughout the 70s and 80s organized, almost almost before anything else on that one thing. Yeah, it shows it shows a lack of principle, resolve, and uh, standing for what you believe in. Yeah. I think. I, well, it's, it says a lot. It's it, not none, oh, of yeah. it, none of it good. Rob, thank you, and thank you for the reminder. We'll do something for Flag Day tomorrow. I'm not sure. We'll, I know what we'll do. We'll play Johnny Cash's Ragged Old Flag. That's what we'll do. We'll be right back. Our friends over at Issues and Insights put it that they say that fiction writers have it tough these days because no matter how imaginative they try to be tomorrow's headlines will top whatever they come up with today we politely disagree there are some headlines that we are 100 percent certain will never appear in print or online in any mainstream publication here's a sampling scientists blame climate crisis for unusually mild weather Here's another. Washington Post wins Pulitzer for exposing Biden corruption. (laughs) Here's one. Transgender woman charged with hate crime in men's room mass shooting. Headlines you'll never see. Here's one. Sloth and gluttony added to months celebrating cardinal sins. D.C. Memorial, the 45th and 47th president, set to open next week. Berkeley suspends students for disrupting conservative speaker. Teachers Union announces it will no longer donate to political candidates. MSNBC documentary about EVs titled Rape of the Planet to air next week. Democrats realize they've been using the word fascist wrong for decades. Latest Star Wars trilogy voted better than the original. New York's high taxes crime caused massive influx of citizens. After lifetime of public service, Senator retires with modest wealth. Big tech firms denounce censorship, vow never to work with the government again. Bullet train from Los Angeles to San Francisco opens. <laughs> Eight cabinet agencies shuttered after audit finds them useless. Why is the mainstream media so fixated on democratic scandals? Five years later, net neutrality zealots admit they were entirely wrong about everything. Time needed to file federal income taxes dips below 30 minutes. After drifting leftward for years, Drudge rediscovers conservative roots. God gets most number of thanks at Oscars last night. 
I have a really special guest coming up. You're not going to want to miss this. Peachy Keenan. She is really something else. And if you don't know her work, you're going to want to. And I, uh, I just can't say enough about her or it and her new book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 